Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate. From co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hi everyone, this is Ellie Perlman broadcasting from sunny California and today in our special episode, I want to talk to you about the top five mistakes that real estate investors make in today's market. And I'm going to share all the mistakes that I see people do from my point of view as a syndicator. So bit of a background about me. I am the owner of Blue Lake Capital and we own about 2,000 units across the U.S. We have about $100 million in asset under management. So many assets in Texas, Florida, and Georgia mainly. And during the pandemic, started in January, we were more aware of it as a society close to March. Our properties are doing pretty well so far. And I wanted to share with you what we did well and what are the mistakes that I've seen people do either sponsors or passive investors. So the number one mistake that I see is investors that stop renovations. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, everyone you know, was worried about whether we can collect rents, what's going to be with occupancy, are tenants going to leave? And those who are staying, will they be able to pay the rent? And so right at the beginning, I would say, you know, mid-March, beginning of April, when we were aware of the pandemic, a lot of sponsors decided to stop renovations. And the logic behind it was basically the desire to make sure that the units are full and usually classic units, non-renovated units, they cost to tenants. I mean, the rents are lower than renovated units. And so the thinking behind it was, let's just keep our rents low and offer it to tenants so they can come in and we still have high occupancy because the thinking was it's going to be hard to lease out renovated units in middle of a global pandemic because the rents are just higher. And we were thinking the same for the first couple of weeks. And then we realized, and I talked about it before on you know, various podcasts, as well as in this podcast we did not stop renovations. We didn't stop renovating. And we just adjusted the business plan to something that I call renovation on demand. So basically, when a tenant comes in and you know, they're interested in leasing an apartment, we show them a renovated unit, we show them a non-renovated unit, and we say, here's the rent for the nicer apartment, here's the rent for the simpler apartment, and you choose. And surprisingly, about 70% of our tenants, the new tenants that came in from April until today, and I'm recording this at the end of June, we had tenants that actually wanted to go with the renovated units and were willing to pay the premiums. And so during the pandemic, we got anywhere from 10% to 29% rent increases because we did not stop renovations. We basically asked them, which unit do you want? And only when someone said, I want the renovated unit. Only then we came in, we brought the team, and then within seven to 10 days, 
we're done with the renovation, and then the tenant can move in. And so that's a tactic. It's very simple. You don't need to be a genius to implement it, obviously. But the number one mistake that I see is the sponsors, they're stopping the renovations. And I think it's a mistake because there's money there that you're not tapping into. And there's a very high cost to not continuing with your value add plan. Now, the second mistake that I've seen is basically investors that are lowering their rents. And again, I understand the logic behind it. You want to keep your rents low so you can attract more people and not have to deal with high vacancies and, you know, during the pandemic. And I totally understand that. However, I think specifically in June, because we've seen that April and May were relatively good months with anywhere between 93 to 95% rent collections in the U.S. across the board, then in June, some sponsors have started to increase their rents again. And this is what we did. We tested the market for a month or so, and we saw that actually some of our properties have really high demand. For instance, one property we own in Atlanta is 100% occupied. So of course, it doesn't make sense you know, to keep the rents low. So once we have, when someone moves out and we have an available unit, we have a wait list even today. So of course we're going to, you know, increase the rents. But because occupancy is pretty high and collections are pretty high, I would say this is not the time to lower rents. And I'm talking about June. It was a good decision perhaps in April and May, but not for the month of June. And again, this is just an observation from my experience, from the markets that I'm active in. Obviously, every deal is different. Every market is different. And what makes sense in one property does not make sense in another. Now, the third mistake that I see investors do, well, it's for passive investors and for syndicators or sponsors. They're letting emotions dictate their decisions. So I see two main kind of range of emotions. And there's one range, but I see two types of emotions. One is just absolute fear that paralyzes investors from buying either as syndicators or as passive investors from buying properties because they say, we don't know what's going on. We're not sure, you know, what to do. And the fear paralyzes a lot of people from actually entering the real estate market or in keep investing. And I think that's a mistake. On the other hand, there are a small group of people that are overly excited about the opportunities that they believe exist in today's market. And that can bring them to make the wrong decision, investing in the wrong properties or in the wrong market. So when it comes to me in business, I normally keep emotions out of every transaction. It, it wasn't easy for me at the beginning, but I learned that the best results I actually got when I cut emotions out of the equation as much as I can. It's a transaction, have to look at the numbers, whether it makes sense or not. There's no real fear that is involved because fear will make you lose opportunities and also can push you to make the wrong decisions. On the other hand, when you're overly excited about something, that can also cloud your judgment. So make sure you are detaching you know, your emotions because that's one of the mistakes that I see investors that are motivated by emotions. Now, how can you bypass, you know, letting your emotions get the best of you and basically make the wrong decision? That leads me to mistake number four, investors that are not digging into the numbers. And this is something that a lot of passive investors don't do. 
And so if you want to escape that trap of being led by emotions and making the wrong investment decisions, dig into the numbers. Because a lot of investors just don't. They look at the investor package they receive from the sponsor. They look at the beautiful pictures. They look at the beautiful design of the package. And that, you know, helps them make sometimes their own decision. So when I'm talking about digging into the numbers, I'm not talking about underwriting the entire deal. You're not going to do it for the most part because you're paying the sponsor to do all that work for you. But there's some things that you need to look at. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go to my website, ellieperlman.com. On the homepage, you can see the top five deal components that any passive investor should examine. And it's true, you know, when the economy is strong to where real estate was good and solid. And it's good for now when there's a lot of uncertainty. So when I'm talking about digging into the numbers, you have to look as a passive investor at the cap rate, the exit cap versus the in-place cap rate. So in-place cap rates is that's basically the cap rate that the sponsor bought the property with. And then the exit cap is how much the property is going to be sold for. What cap rate will the property sell at? And you need to look at the gap between them. Lower cap rate, meaning higher prices. So if, if you're looking at a deal as a passive investor, 5% cap rate, and the exit cap is 5%, it means that the market is going to be as strong as it is today when you want to exit, which could be or could not be right. Obviously, when you buy a property, when the market is really good, whether the market is still going to be good in five years, that's a big question. So make sure you understand what is the in-place cap rate and the exit cap. If it's not in the investor package, ask your sponsor. Another thing is dig into the numbers when it comes to the premiums. Look at how much the sponsor thinks they can get as premiums once they renovate the units and improve the exterior of the property. If we're talking about three to $400 premiums, it could be reasonable and it could not be reasonable, but you have to make sure that you understand those numbers and what's the logic behind it. Usually three to $400 is a lot of money. So that's one of the things you need to look at when you're digging into the numbers. In addition, look at the debt structure and make sure you're comfortable with it. Is it an agency debt, which is debt that is backed by the government, or is it a bridge debt? Is interest rate fluctuating or is it an interest rate that you know is fixed and you know exactly how much you're paying every month make sure you understand what the LTV is a loan to value is it 70% or is it 90% because 90% meaning a highly highly leveraged property which i do not recommend you know to invest in in such a deal so digging into the numbers and making sure that they make sense and if you're unsure have a conversation with your sponsor now the number 5 mistake that I see investors do is they're not adjusting their expectation. So I can tell you that before COVID, we were targeting deals based on projected 8 to 9% cash on cash in about 15 to 17% IRR. And now after COVID, we've adjusted our expectations to 7 to 8% cash on cash and 13 to 15% IRR. And the reason why we adjusted our expectations is because well, we don't know what's going to happen in the market. We see what happens now, but we're assuming that rents are not going to grow as much, that we might not be able 
to execute the value add plan as we planned, maybe we'll have to do renovation on demand and that's going to take a bit longer. So all of those things actually made us understand that, wait a minute, we cannot look at a deal and expect the same returns as they were before COVID hit. And so some investors, you know, they have unrealistic expectations when it comes to returns. And I think that's another big mistake that I see investors do. Because if you're still driven by unrealistic returns, that's gonna, sometimes you're gonna be more inclined to invest in a property where it's, it's basically not the case. It, there could be amazing deals out there, but most deals cannot really produce a very, very high returns. And again, I don't want it to be a blanket statement because there are some deals with very high returns, but for the most part, it could be a result of just a very aggressive projections. You just need to be aware of it and not just focus on the returns because that might lead you to invest in the own deals. So that's it for today. Again, we talked about the top five mistakes that I see real estate investors do. They're stopping the renovations. They lowered rent. They're letting emotions get the best of them and dictate their decision. They're not digging into the numbers enough and they're not adjusting their expectations when it comes to returns. I hope that that was beneficial for you. Stay safe, be bold, be great, and keep moving forward. And I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.